Seasonal cleansing is a time-honored tradition in Ayurveda and part of a healthy, conscious lifestyle. So you want to prepare your body and mind for the new season. I love that. By reestablishing your natural state of balance, hitting the reset and button on digestion, and increasing your energy and vitality for the longer days ahead. This is really good timing. We just had daylight savings time. Organic India is transforming the wisdom of ancient traditions into accessible, easy, modern-day practices to support you in achieving your healthy, conscious living goals year-round. Visit OrganicIndiaUSA.com to learn more. New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally Savvy with registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky and health journalist Lisa Davis. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrea Donsky, founder of Morphous, powered by Naturally Savvy. And today we're continuing the conversation around COVID-19 and corona and ways that we could learn from it and stay resilient. And today I have an author, an adjunct professor, and a master of social work, Myra Gibarovich, who's been working with survivors of trauma for more than 30 years, and she's also my mother. So I'm really excited to have her on our show because she really is an inspiration and has worked with survivors of trauma for pretty much you've dedicated your whole career to it, right, mom? So like to me, who better than having you on our show that we can help others deal in this really stressful time and help them with some encouragement and inspiration. Thank you, Andrea. It is a pleasure to be doing this with you. Uh, <laughs> I <wonderful>. love it. <laughs> All right, so mom, let's, let's start off with, how are you coping with during this stressful time? Well, like most people, uh, you know, it's an emotional roller coaster. Sometimes I'm filled with uh, worry and panic and um, negative thoughts, you know, like most people, I worry about myself, I worry about you and your sister and your brother and your kids, my grandkids, my friends, you know. So that's what most of us are experiencing. And I'm now on day 10 of uh, self-isolation because I came back from the United States uh, 10 days ago. And just to give you an example of what I'm doing, um, you know, when you wake up in the morning, sometimes you want to just, you know, you, you cough a little bit, you know, just to clear your throat. And then right away, what pops into my mind is oh, like, oh, my God, coughing is one of the symptoms, right? <laughs> so I put my hand to my forehead. Do I have temperature? But then what I do is I don't attach to the fear. Mm. I call it I flip the switch. Mm. So I do self-talk. And so I say to myself, uh-uh. I'm not going to get trapped into this thought, you know, I don't have temperature, I'm feeling well, you know, so there's no reason for me to go there. And then what I do is um, I just take some action and I gargle with cold water and salt water. <laughs> and you're taking lots of, you know, your Juice Plus and your oregano oil and your coital silver. You're doing all the natural supplements. Absolutely. To, to enhance my immune system. And we and don't see much in the, liter in, in the news about that what we can do, right? And you're an expert in that field. <laughs> well, just keeping our, boosting immunity and keeping it strong, absolutely. And, and you know, your fears are valid too. I mean, you hear a lot of information around older people and you're 72. 73. So, 73, there you go. Yeah. So you're yeah. 73. So you are really right in that demographic where you're hearing a lot of those horror stories. So it's, I'm happy to hear that you're Flipping the, flipping the switch. So what are some other strategies that you're using that you could share with our audience? Okay, so um, one thing that um, I focus on is my thoughts. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And I'm feeling very grateful. My parents are Holocaust survivors. And I learned some important life lessons from my mother. And she is, uh, my parents were survivors. They're both dead now of the Lodz Ghetto and Auschwitz. And my mother used to say to me, you know, in life, we never know what some of the challenges are that we need to get used to. The important thing is to get used to it and to adapt. And that's exactly what she did. Both my parents were in the Lodz Ghetto in Auschwitz. And even um, she found ways to have control over her environment. So, for example, I, even after her family was uh, deported and she was left alone in the ghetto, she continued to persevere and she continued to have hope. And that's something that's so important that we not give up hope, that we not go into what the literature calls a state of learned helplessness, right. where we feel we absolutely have no control over the situation. We do in very small ways, whatever it is that we do, the, our behaviors, our thoughts, our actions, all that helps us to cope uh, better. And to see the positive, I mean, take a look at what's happening around the world globally. People are reaching out. People are helping each other. For the first time, we see so many generous acts of kindness in the world. And that's what I'm choosing to focus on. I'm choosing to, fit, to focus on what makes us human. And also, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for your health, your family's health. I practice gratitude. So these are things that we can do. And it's also validated by the scientific uh, literature. You know, evidence-based practice validates that these things are really important. Problem solving is important. You know, what can we do to uh, deal with the situation? For example, many of us are stuck at home, isolated at home, right? And for some people, it's very difficult. Well, find some things that you can do that you haven't had a chance to do. You know, no matter what that is, organizing a cupboard, you know, learning a new language, trying a new recipe. Making so, photo books that have been on your computer for how many years that you wanted to actually print them out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like one of these, you know, programs, a million, cleaning, cleaning up your house, going through your, your drawers and kind of taking the time, which things that we just never have time to do. Yeah, being involved in meaningful activities that we've been putting on. Again, that's taking action, right? Also, something that's really important is to recognize our strengths. Mm -hmm. To realize that for the most part, everybody is resilient. Most people have dealt with challenges in their life. You know, I don't know of anybody who hasn't. And people have gotten through it for the most part. People are resilient, people are copers. And we need to feed ourselves, we need to see ourselves through resilience, uh, what I call a resilience lens, and to have a mantra. I am dealing with this to the best of my ability. I've dealt with challenges in the past and I am now dealing with this in the present moment. And that really helps us to, uh, to cope. It's also important to start our day with a ritual something that will inoculate us against stress. So for example, I start my day with um, calming music, with no emotional baggage, also prayer and meditation. And some people find it difficult to meditate, and I get that, I'm one of those people. So what I recommend is breath counting meditation. Mm -hmm. You breathe into the count of one, breathe out to the count of one, and then up to a count of four. And just stay completely focused 
in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And that's something difficult to do. You know, most of us, our minds go off. What if, you know, what will happen? The worst that can happen, you know, I'm losing my job. How will I be able to make ends meet? And those are realistic fears for so many people. But again, bring ourselves back to the present situation, opening up our senses, you know, to what is going on right now and to compartmentalize, you know, do little things that we can do to show us that we are in control of the situation and not helpless in what's going on. You know, one of the things when I told you I want to interview you and I was like, well, let's talk because you've been working, you've worked with victims of trauma. You're like, uh, 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 survivors of trauma. So let's go into a little bit about your whole approach because the thing that's made you this global expert on working with survivors of trauma is because you have a very unique approach. Can you explain what that approach is? Well, my approach is what's called a strength-based approach, recognizing that people have strengths, recognizing that people are resilient. And when we see them through those eyes, they rise to that. And who better to teach us about life's challenges than survivors who have gone through horrendous experiences, life and death experiences, and for them to teach us how they've coped. And some of the things that the literature now is showing is ways in which they have coped, being problem solving, having a positive attitude, helping each other in spite of the horrendous experiences, staying connected to each other, um, participating in their rituals of their religion, not giving up. These are all the things that now the literature is saying, this is what helps us to cope. But my life has been devoted, and that's what I've learned from the people that I've, that I've worked with. And it doesn't mean that people don't have post-traumatic symptoms. They do. There are vulnerabilities, and it's a normal and natural thing to have post-traumatic symptoms. But the vulnerabilities and their strengths coexist. Mm -hmm. And that's a lesson, and we're the same. You know, we may feel fearful, we may feel worried, we may feel anxious, and that's a normal and natural response to what is going on in our outer environment. But we're also resilient, and we're copers, we're thrivers, we persevere. So it's a dual type of existence, and that's what my career has been, has been on. And sometimes when we can't see us as being resilient, let's say we fall into despair, it's important to be reminded to turn to a friend, to turn to a family member, to turn to a therapist that reminds us of how we res resilient we are. And um, we begin to see ourselves through those lens. Yeah. So, That's yeah. point because especially if you're isolated all by yourself at home and you don't have family or friends around you, you can spiral down and it, it, I, you know, it's understandable. So reaching out, I know that you said that every day you're trying to reach out to a certain amount of people who you know are isolated by themselves at home and just touching base. How are you? How are you doing? And doing little things like that, acts of kindness that can go a long way to make us feel better to help others at the same time as helping ourselves. A hundred percent. What you're saying is so important. And the literature, again, when we talk about what can we do, what is science saying, to find some meaning and purpose in our existence. So when we reach out to someone, you know, people are waiting, well, this person isn't calling me. Uh-uh. Take initiative. Reach out. Reach out to somebody that you've been thinking about that you may not have had contact with in a very long time. But it gives meaning and purpose to our lives, and we feel good about ourselves. Yeah. We really do. So it's important to continue to do that. And I like what you're saying about gratitude, because 
one of the things that I'm a big believer in, and it doesn't have to be writing a gratitude journal, because you hear a lot about like, let's put it down in a journal. But what I do when I wake up in the morning, I will just be grateful, say what I'm grateful for, and just repeat it to myself. It's great if you can write it down, but that's part of those daily rituals of as soon as you open your eyes, you know, what are you grateful for? Name two, three, four things that you're grateful for. And I think being grateful puts things into perspective for us. And do you, that's, I know you're saying that's what it's doing for you. And, and the, the literature supports that. Like, is there? Absolutely. It's being grateful, expressing gratitude to people is um, something that we can do to mitigate our stress. And there's a science behind uh, gratitude, the importance, and it enhances our immune system. It changes our thought pattern. You know, it brings us into the present moment of what we can focus on right now that we are grateful for. So what you're saying is really, really important. And also being kind. Practicing kindness is really important. And then once we come out of this, and we are coming out of this, no doubt about it, what are the lessons that I'm learning? What is the lessons that this experience is teaching us in the bigger picture, humanity? The earth is healing. The earth is healing. There is less pollution. So that's what's going on in the bigger picture. And spending time with family, for those of you who have family, and like I, I talk about my own kids, and I know we were saying this the other day, is my kids are getting along. Like normally they fight so much, and now it's like my girls are besties. Yesterday they put on their fancy dresses, and they went outside and did a photo shoot in our backyard. You know, it's nice to see them playing. They're playing cards. They're playing board games. They're getting along really well because they don't have the distractions of everything else around them, their friends and whatever else, things that they do on a regular basis. So having family meals, like there are so many things, so much good. Yes, this is, it's so awful in so many ways for so many different people. But trying to find that silver lining, I think, is really important because it gives us that hope that you're talking about. And hope, hope is all we have, right? I mean, that's what we need. Yeah, absolutely. We cannot lose hope. And so um, I can't say this strongly enough. And again, the literature supports that. Something that gives us a reason to go on. And that's what people who were in the camps used to say. The people who lost hope, you saw them right away. They were called the Muslimen. They walked around in despair, depressed, a flat affect, no emotion. And they died very, very quickly. They died soon thereafter. But people who lived with hope, people who supported each other, people who were kind and generous to each other, people who shared their rations with other people, they are the ones that survived and, and, and thrived and rebuilt their lives. Would you say that hope is the same thing as positivity, remaining positive? Is there a fine line? like when you Because you, you don't want to seem like you're overly positive, but is it the same thing as being hopeful? I think hope is a more of a, an internal process mm. of something deep within me that anchors me, that gives me a reason for living, believing in the goodness and that this too will pass. So for me, that's the distinction that I see. It's, it's something that um, anchors me in, 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 in going through this particular uh, challenging situation. And mindset, it's, it's all about that whole mindset thing is not letting it get the best of you. And yes, we're going to have our roller coasters of emotions. And, you know, I was saying, you know, the first few days when we went into self-isolation, I was dealing with this, you know, my tooth and I had a throbbing tooth and I had to get like a root canal that I had to get my tooth pulled. And there was a lot of stress going on on top of all of this. But 
I found that after kind of, I kind of, I started speaking to myself and saying, okay, it's not going to do anyone any good if I'm completely stressed because I'm stressing everyone else out around me. I really need to kind of, like you said, reach, like shift my focus, reset, flip the script, flip the switch. And once I did that, I find that it's, it's helping me tremendously and everyone else around me because it doesn't do anybody any good to be so full of and ridden with anxiety. Absolutely. What you're talking about is the ripple effect. Yes. It's so important. There's a ripple effect to panic. There's a ripple effect to anxiety. It's an energy that then gets picked up. And that's what we're seeing. So yes. another thing that I'm recommending is that people limit their, their uh, television watching or limit taking in this information. Don't make the news the last thing that you do before you go to bed at night. Yeah. You're going to toss and turn. You're not going to sleep properly. So set limits also, and this is hard to do. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day. Set limits with people who are in fear, who are negative, who are saying that this is the end of the world. The apocalypse now is upon us, you know, and if it's a family member or if it's a very close friend, it's hard to do, but it brings us down because it's a herd mentality, Panic contributes to a herd mentality whereby it's insidious and we catch it. So limit it. You know, you can't um, get these people out of your life completely, but still limit the time that you spend. Try talking to them. Try to show them another perspective. But some people are just so stuck in the negativity. So limit you. Practice self-care. That's so important during this time, you know, and so when, when I tell this to people, they'll say, well, then I'm being selfish. You know, how can I practice self-care and what's going on? Yeah. Uh -uh. We must come first. We must show ourselves self-love. We must treat us with kindness. Those same eyes that we want to have for other people, we need to have them for ourselves. And self-love is the way to do because when we have that, when we internalize that, we spread it all around. Yeah. Everyone that it's comes infectious. into contact with us. It's yeah. It's exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's infectious. People like to be around people that are positive and loving towards themselves, have good boundaries. It's really important. And laugh. One of the things that I find that I've been doing now as a ritual in our house is my girls and I, every night, we watch a movie and try to watch a funny movie. If it's not a funny movie, a good movie. And it's nice because the girls are even like, Okay, mom, it's eight o'clock. Let's go. Movie time. So it's kind of a cool thing that's getting to spend more time with my girls because, you know, we all work a lot and we may not have that time. So that's good. And la laughing is a good one. I think, and then although there's so many funny memes online too, we were just saying, you know, the other, this morning, I think when we were talking, there's some funny memes that people are sending us all the time. And yes, we need to laugh because laughing is going to get us through this as well. Absolutely. And again, what you're saying is so important. There's a whole body of science around laughter, the importance yeah. of a good aha laugh, you know, absolutely. So yeah. these are some of the things that we can do. And it's not hard. It's not hard to integrate it into our everyday lifestyle. The thing is to make a commitment to do it. And again, it's a way of taking action over our thoughts, our behaviors, and that's what's going to get us through us, get us through this. That's what is getting us through this. Yeah. And again, I go back to we are resilient and let's see ourselves through those eyes. Can you share a story with that, you know, you've worked with so many survivors over the years that you could, that stood out for you in terms of their resilience? Is there something that would come to mind? If, if there isn't, no worries. But, you know, if there's something you're like, yep, you know, one or two stories that you're like, 
yep, this person. So it's like inspiring us to have that resilience and that hope at this time. Absolutely. One comes to mind, and I've, I've, I've written about this. In Auschwitz, there was a young girl, and she was 18 years old and wanted to celebrate her birthday. And so she didn't know that her friends in, in the death camp, they were putting away their rations of bread and putting together a little heart for her. Mm. In the midst of this, they used their rations, they used spit to soften it and put it together in a little heart for her on her 18th birthday. Now, if that isn't inspirational, I don't know what is, you know, to talk about the importance of community, of social support, of not losing hope and participating in the rituals, yeah. you know, having a birthday party. Think about that. <laughs> yeah, it's my daughter's birthday, you know, Casey's birthday next week. She's turning 15 and she's so upset about the fact that, you know, she can't do anything. And we're like, well, we'll have a virtual party. We'll bring the whole family in and we'll just do it through Thank goodness we have, and we're so blessed we have internet, you know, and it, it makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. We can still participate, but we need to be creative in yeah. finding ways and how are we going to do that? Exactly. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Myra. This is Myra slash mom. This has really been <laughs> inspirational. This is great. And I think this is going to help a lot of people in terms of making a difference. And I know that you have a book that you wrote. If people want to learn more about your book, I know currently your website is down, unfortunately, but you have a book if you want to share that, if people want to learn more about what you do and how you can help survivors of trauma. Yeah, it's called Recovering from Gen uh, Genocidal Trauma, an information and practice guide for working with Holocaust survivors. It was published by the University of Toronto Press in 2014, and I'm glad to say it's circulating uh, the globe. But with your permission, Andrea, I'd like to end with a very inspirational quote from Anne Frank. Of course, please. So, yeah, so, so let, me, let me get it. And I am inspired by her words. And for those of you who don't know who Anne Frank was, she was a young German-born uh, Jewish diarist and aspiring writer. And she and her family hid in an attic in Amsterdam for 25 months. And she died of typhus in uh, 1945. She didn't survive. But her diary did. And in her diary, she wrote, in spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. I simply can't build up my hopes on a foundation consisting of confusion, misery, and death. If I look up into the heavens, I think that it will all come right, and that this too will end, and that peace and tranquility will return again. Now, if that's not inspirational, you can read it in her diary online. I don't know what is. So that, in, that feeds me and, and that nourishes my soul at such a deep level. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for all of you who are listening and watching. And if you got value out of this interview, please share it with everyone you know, because it really helps get the word out there. We want to help as many people as we can cope and remain resilient during this difficult time. And if you haven't subscribed to our channel, please subscribe and give us a big like. So thank you everybody and subscribe to our podcast if you're not a subscriber there too, Naturally Savvy. Have a great day everybody and stay well.